Well, today I want to paint a picture. Today I want to tell a story. I want to paint, I'll tell you what I want us to, to, to achieve this morning, and this is it. I had this burning, three, these three burning words, and one of the words is burning, actually, and it is that we are the burning ones, the burning ones. And I was sat over there last Sunday, and Bill was talking and introducing and, and saying stuff, and then Dan came and preached about worship, and, the, the, and our worship spills out when we bring a sacrifice of praise, of worship in our lives. And had this thought that we are the burning ones. And today I want us to understand that we have been set ablaze by the glory of God. That every step that we take is in the knowledge that we are the light of the world. That we are carriers of his presence. That we are carriers of his fire. That his light burns brightly in us and through us and out of us. That as our worship spills out, his light and his glory breaks through the darkness. Bringing that transformation, bringing that salvation. We are the burning ones. I want you to know that you are the light that shines bright. Remember that little saying. You are the light that shines bright. That we are the burning ones. My prayer today, Lord, is this. That we would understand that we are your burning ones. That you have put your light in us. That we are the light and we are carriers of that light in this dark world. That's it, this is the end of the sermon. Isaiah 60, if you've got your Bible, it says this, well-known passage, verse 1 and 2. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Arise, shine, for your light has come. Arise, arise. Do you feel like rising this morning? It didn't look like it. But come on, let's arise, let's shine. We have this, this power, this light within us. We are the burning ones. And so let's arise, let's shine that light. This light has come, it says. Arise, shine, for your light has come. It is upon you. It is in you. And through you, through me, through us, the world will see his glory. And praise his name. Wow. Should we just stop and pause and think about that for a moment? Do you actually believe that? Do you actually believe that? Yes. Yes. Not sure, some people. I want to tell you that that is who you are. You are the light of the world. I'm going to read about that a bit later on in the New Testament. That you are, that Jesus tells us that you are the light of the world. 
That is who you are. Let's go there now. Matthew 5, verses 14 to 16 says this. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Can you see how those two verses in in Isaiah 60 and Matthew link together? Arise, shine, for the light has come is upon you, that you are the light of the world. And as, what's it say in, verse, in Isaiah 60? His glory appears over you. The Lord rises on you. And as that light is in us, everyone will see and praise your heavenly Father. You are the light. There's no doubt there. There's no, mm, I'm not sure about that. The language is clear. You are the light. What do you think about that? Let me ask a few people. You're smiling at me, Barbara. Thank you. That's amazing. I mean, just uh, uh, seriously, we've got to kind of, sometimes we just forget things, but we are the light. Are we or are we not? Yes, we are. We do live in it. Sorry, I'm talking to myself. I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, about um, we need to say, okay, Lord, we are the light. I want to live in it. I want to be that light. In the prayer meeting, you shared a, a picture. Oh, yeah. Which the lighthouse that? one, is it? Yeah. yeah. Right. I, um, I've been having this picture off and on. had it again this morning of a lighthouse that, you know, as things are darker, the light from a lighthouse is brighter. And um, I've really been thinking recently, I mean, I'm a supply teacher. And before, as I started back to supply, the Lord spoke to me about being a lighthouse wherever I go. And um, I, I think the Lord wants us to, as things are harder around us, when things are darker, the darker, harder, more difficult things are around us, the brighter the light shines. And, you know, a bit of a challenge to myself this morning. I hope it's a challenge to you as well. Do we really believe? Do we really believe that we are the light of the world? Do we really believe we are children of God? Do we really believe we are carriers of his life? You know? And if we are, why aren't we? Sorry. Why aren't I acting more on it? It's a bit of a challenge, but we are the light. And it is a challenge, yeah. I mean, because I think we do know that we are the light, but what does that mean? Anybody else want, you know, when, when I. Cow, uh, Linda, did you raise your hand? No? It's like an auction house, isn't it? Hey? No. I, I think what, what that would mean to me is wherever I go, I'm carrying the presence of Jesus. And, you know, and yes, you forget sometimes, but. But when Jesus walked into into a place, he made a difference. And, you know, if I can walk in that, you know, wherever I go, I'm touching people's lives without realizing it. You know, so that's what it means for me, that that's my light. I'm making a difference without even thinking about it because he's coming with me and he's influencing people. I had a bit of a difficult day on Friday. I work in complaints. And the person who wanted to complain would not listen to any kind of reason. Um, So it was about three quarters of an hour call with someone just making circular arguments the entire time. And it really took a lot for me to not 
branch out sideways and say something that would maybe make me feel better about myself in this phone call. It's very difficult to keep um, empathy up with someone who's not able to receive anything that you're giving them, any kind of resolution or that will twist words so that things don't come the way they want them to. And I, I was talking to this gentleman in an office full of people who had gone very quiet, okay? So I was also aware, sort of, that, that people probably could overhear what I was saying. Um, and it's very difficult to to be empathic, but to be this this person that doesn't move sometimes because you have to stand for what you're allowed to do and what is right to do. And at one time, he wanted to speak to my manager, and actually, I was the point at which this conversation had to stop that day. And the lady in front of me, who's above me in the pay scale, went, no, no, you know, cut ahead, you know. And I said, no, I'm really terribly sorry, but I'm not going to be able to do that for you today. What I really wanted to say was something much worse than that. And I had to hold myself in. And sometimes we speak for Jesus in actions that we don't do, is what I want to say. Of course, yeah. Um, I really feel that I needed to share something as as we were we were uh, t- talking there now. Um, I've been working with this young girl on Zoom uh, for f- fifteen weeks, and I never say I'm a Christian when I'm working. Um, it's just being me and just being myself, and that's where the light sort of t- t- triggered this memory off of me. Last last Wednesday, I I. I contacted her, and she's been allocated 20 sessions. Horrific background, horrific stuff been going on for her. Her, br- uh, her brother was murdered. She's had some problems as well. And uh, I, I wasn't quite sure where else I could go. I had done so much work with her. And uh, she said, oh, I'm so glad to see you, Linda. She said, we've only got a few sessions left. I said, we've got five left. I said, I'm wondering what we need to, to work with. And she said, I know exactly, I've been waiting to speak to you all week. She said, on the Thursday, she'd been laying in bed and she was so upset. And she realised she only had five sessions with me. And she said, I won't have you in five five weeks. And I need somebody to talk to that I can say anything to. And I remembered I could talk to God. So she got on her knees and she sobbed and sobbed for hours. And she asked the Lord to be with her, to listen to everything she had to say. So that gave me a place to go then, that, that uh, Wednesday. So I asked about her background. She's been brought up a Catholic a Catholic school. But she said when her brother was murdered, she turned her back on God. But she said, you know, I can replace, got a laugh, and I can replace you with God. So, you know, I thought, oh, you know, thanks, Lord. <laughs> but, but there was something in what we've been doing. I must have carried the presence of God with, into each session for her so she could connect then to God because of what she's been saying to me. And, you know, so I, I gave her the gospel then. I, you know, she had the whole lot for that session. So I've left it with her. And I said, I can't wait to see what happens next next Wednesday to see if you've given your life to the Lord, you know. But uh, so different. We're a change in a girl, you know. What God can do in somebody's life, isn't it? Wow. That is a great testimony. Thank you, Linda. Because we are the light. You are the light. Even when we don't even realize it, we are the light. You know, this, this, is a de- this is actually a declaration. It's not a feeling. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And really, there, 
is no choice here whether you're a light or not. You are a light. But maybe the choice comes whether we hide that light or not. But I believe that light is so powerful that even when we don't know we're shining that light, then that light makes a difference. And we pray for that person that they will come to know and bow the knee. You see, we shine our light bright by being the light. It says here in, in, in Matthew 5 that when we let your good deeds shine, it says, out for all to see, everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Everyone will worship our Father when our light, when our worship spills out. When we bring that sacrifice of worship, when we bring that offering to God, that the light shines in us and that spills out. And that's why I'm saying that we are the burning ones. Set ablaze. Do you want others to see the glory of God? Yeah? Do you understand that you are the light? Yes, I know you do. And I want to encourage you and stand with you this morning and cheer you on that you are the light that shines bright. That light brings transformation, as we just heard, into a dark, dark place. And that leads greatly into my next verse, which is Isaiah 58, verse 10, which says this, Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. In the whole battle of dark v. light, who wins? Dark v. light, who wins? Light. You've got a dark room and you turn a light on, what happens? Darkness is gone. And that's the same when we, when we walk, we are carriers of his presence, carriers of his light, so that when we're in those dark places, we dispel the darkness. That is how powerful we are as the burning ones. Because you see, light is the most powerful in the dark places. You turn a light on in this room with the lights on, you don't see the effect of it. But when we go into the dark place, the light is the most powerful. And so I'm encouraging us, I'm standing with you and cheering you on to be that light in the dark places. In those places where people are hungry, people are in trouble. You see, this is a mandate from God to feed the hungry and help those in trouble. And we do our part, and just a small part as a church, but it's ever-growing with the food bank to feed those that's hungry. It's not just feeding those that's hungry. It's helping those that are in trouble. Because that's us shining our light, isn't it? That is us shining light. Because it says, then your light will shine out from the darkness. You see, I think that's what the kingdom of God is. I prayed earlier about us partnering with God, and you've heard me say it so many times, that 
we, the people of God, partner with God in his redemption mission to this world. That is who we are as people of God. His light, carriers of his light, carriers of his presence and his fire. And I believe that as we burn brightly for God, darkness has to flee. Darkness has to flee. That is the, that is the significance of the light in us. Don't never, never doubt that. Never underestimate that. Don't second guess it. That is who you are. That is who we are. As we burn brightly for God, darkness has to flee because of the fire of God's presence. And we are fully loaded, fully equipped by God to go to those dark places. Yes, it might be a bit scary, but we have the power of God within us, his light, his power to feed the hungry, to help those in trouble. And so I ask you the question, will you shine your light? You don't need to answer me that. I want you to answer it yourself. Will you shine your light? Will you burn bright? Let's talk about shining bright. Let's talk about some ways that we can shine bright for Jesus. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 18. In my Bible, it actually says, as a title, shine brightly for Christ. Verse 12 says this, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice and I will share your joy. A lot of things to unpack in this little passage here. First thing that stood out to me was this, work hard to show the results of your salvation. And I remember when Sally and I um, came and met Bill and Ellen for the first time. Uh, most of you know my story, but some of you won't, won't, know my, won't know our story. Before we were here, we were in on the island of Guernsey, leading one of our Elam churches out there. And we had a real sense for a few months before we came here um, to Finetley that we were to come to Wales. It was very specific what God said. And so we were talking with our regional leader about how 
this works and that. And we we had a various little th- um, interviews and conversations with churches, uh, not only in Wales but around this, on the edges as well. And nothing seemed right. And then um, the regional leader then said, "Well, I want you to. Would you come and see Bill and Ellen?" We didn't know Bill and Ellen, so we came over. We flew over, and instantly we connected. And I remember sitting in their in their kitchen having breakfast um, on the morning after we arrived. And Sally had had this this word about what about when the horses when the horses come, and it's a it's a reference in the scripture. I, I can't find it right at the moment, but. It's what about when the horses come? And it was about working hard. And the word was this. Do you think you've been working hard? What about when the horses come? You know, and it's a picture of war, isn't it? You, you think you've been working hard, but then the cavalry come, and it's even more work, more of a battle. And so we didn't come here with any false impressions. We knew it would be hard work. And I, and I like working hard. I think working hard is good, and, and as the burning ones, we have, this is why I said earlier, that we are fully equipped, so we are able to work hard. It says, doesn't it, we have the power to do what pleases him. Now, this, this working hard isn't about earning our salvation. We've already, um, we've already become, we're already saved by his grace, aren't we? We're not working hard for our salvation. We are working hard as a result of our salvation. And I wanted to share that story because, you see, I'm not saying to you today that we have to work hard. And that's, you know, it becomes that sort of earning our salvation. It's about being willing to work hard. It says, work hard. No one ever said it was going to be easy. But by the power of God, we can. We can see those fed, that are hungry. We can see those that are in trouble overcome and transformed in their lives. We can see those that don't know Jesus, know Jesus and bow the knee as, to, as we work hard together. It says here, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. So this is another way of shining our light. We shine our light by obeying God. What does that look like in your life? I'll let you work that one out. But we obey God with deep reverence and fear. Not fear and trembling of him because he is our God, he's our father, and he's working in us. Because he gives us the desire, he gives us the power to do what pleases him. You have the power to do what pleases him. Think about that for a moment. Sometimes we doubt that, do you? Do you doubt that sometimes? that you have the power to do what pleases God. Maybe you're a bit hard on yourself and say, I'm useless, I'm no one, I, God can't use me. That's a lie from the enemy. We need to renounce that lie, get rid of that lie. Take it captive because you are the light of the world. You are his, we are his sons, we are his daughters. That is who we are. And we have the power in us to do what pleases him. These last few months, I, I've had this journey of, about power. Some of you will know this story. 
And I, I had this, I, I read about the power of God in Scripture. I don't know about you, when you read Scripture, do you want to know more? Do you, do you apply it to your own life? And so when I read Scripture and it says that, that um, we have the power to do what pleases Him, we have the power of God within us, that we are the burning ones, that His light, I want to know what that looks like in my life. So I, I was praying this prayer, more power, Lord, more power, Lord. But actually, that wasn't the right prayer because the power of God is already in me. It's not that I need more power. It's that I needed to understand that the power of God is in me. And that's very different to praying a prayer for more power. Because everything that we need, all the power that we need, is in me. It's not that I'm a megalomaniac and I want all the power. That's why I wasn't praying for more power. I wanted to know and experience the things that we read about that we promise about in Scripture, that people will be healed, that people will come to know Jesus. That's why I was praying those prayers about power. And I understand now that what it means is not praying for more power, it's, it's understanding, asking for more understanding of the power that is within me, within you. So other ways of burning brightly quickly, stay away from complaining and arguing. Why is Paul saying that? Obviously, they're complaining and they're arguing, aren't they, in, in, in the Philippine church? Stop. He says, stop complaining and, and arguing because that that's just, just quenches the fire, that quenches the, the light. That's not how we should live, is it? Complaining and arguing. No one's going to worship God or praise God because we're complaining and arguing. We see that so much in the history of the church and I pray that we aren't like that, that we don't complain and argue. <clears throat> Paul tells the Philippian church and us to live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Live clean and innocent lives. I've heard these two words um, personally in, in my life, in, in our lifestyle in our life, is simplify and purify. Last week we took some time off and we thought we'd tackle the, the wardrobes in our bedroom. You know, the place where you stuff things in? Well, maybe you don't. You, you know, it's beautiful like on the telly, you know, with everything organized. So we got it all out. And, you know, whenever you empty cupboards, you think, that was in there? But, you know, we... We'd, and, and we sorted this out two or three times before, you know. So um, we emptied all the, the cupboards and, and like six bags went to um, charity, um, four bags in the bin, you know, and other stuff going off to other people. And we just really felt that it was a significant thing for us to clearing out the clutter, you know, simplifying our lives. Sometimes we have just too many clothes that we never ever wear them. Or we've got clothes in there that are too small and, you know, as we get older, probably won't get back into those clothes unless we start running marathons and, uh, you know, not saying anything, you know. You... Sorry? <laughs> the clothes have shrunk, yeah, that's what's happened. The reason I tell that story is because, you see, Paul says live clean, innocent lives. 
Now, I'm not saying that we should all become minimalists and, uh, you know, and have one set of clothes for the winter, you know, just T-shirts and trousers and, and, and a jumper. You know, I'm not saying that, although I know a lot of people do do that. Um, me, I tend to wear navy blue or blue clothes, you know, that's just me. Um, but, you see, it says live clean, innocent lives. And I was really challenged by not by this scripture and it fits in with what I'm saying about this simplifying our lives because sometimes they are very complicated. And in that complicated life, are we living for Jesus or has it just become too much clutter in our lives? And even though I'm talking about a physical thing, sometimes we need to do that in our own lives. There are too many things cluttering our lives, cluttering our thoughts. When Jesus wants us, Father wants us to come to him in a simple way, to live clean, innocent lives. And that's another way we shine brightly, by living right, by doing the right thing. People will see that. I remember as a teenager, um, I had my, my close friends around me, and, and when we would go out and I was with them, everything was okay, we would behave but they say, Martin, when you're not with us, we get into all sorts of trouble. And you see, that's the effect that we have as Christians, as followers of Jesus. We influence those that are around us to live good lives. Let your line shine brightly, Paul tells us. He tells us in verse 16, hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. Hold tight to the word of God. That's, how we, that's another way of shining bright. It's hold tight to the word of God. What does that mean to you? What does that mean to you when I say hold tight to the word of God? Somebody tell me. What does that mean to you? Study it and obey it. Yeah. We're holding tight to it, aren't we, Joel? We, you know, we're holding tight to the words that we uh, read don't let Scripture just be like another book. I'm sure it's not for you. I know it's for me whenever I open and read the book, read the Bible. I want to be challenged. I want to understand what's happening. And that's how I hold tight to the Word of God. Other ways, can be some other ways how we hold tight to the Word of God. We hold tight to the Word of God when we we read about the promises of God. So when we, when we are going through maybe a difficult time, this is what Scripture says. This is what the truth is. You are the light of the world, for example. Okay. Hold tight to the Word of God. And then it says this in verse 17, but I will rejoice even if I lose my life. Pouring it out like a liquid offering to God. Just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice and I will share your joy. We burn bright by rejoicing. Even if we lose our lives. Maybe some of us need to lose our lives today. In order to live our lives for Jesus. That's a challenge, isn't it? And here we see in these verses about pouring out 
like a liquid offering to God, which links us into what we heard last week, that our lives, our worship is a sacrifice to God, is an offering to God. And as we offer our lives to him, our worship, our lives, they, it spills out. And that's what I want to be, that person that is a burning one, where his love, where his power, where his glory spills out of me. I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God. So as I bring this to a close this morning, I don't want to rush on here because I believe there's some challenging thoughts here, some challenging things in our lives. We are the burning ones set ablaze to live our lives for God. That is who we are. That is who we are. We are the burning ones, the light of the world, and by his power in us we dispel the darkness when we arise when we shine. We are the burning ones, carriers of his presence. That as our worship spills out, others will come to know Jesus. That's my prayer. That's my desire. That every step that I take, I would know his presence is in me that others will come to know this power. Others will come to know Jesus. We are the burning ones set ablaze for his glory. And I believe that together we can burn brighter. Yes, we may be the burning ones, but when we stand together, when we run together, the light is brighter, isn't it? So together we can burn brightly and bring transformation.